Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The beginning of season 2024 is going to be so telling just based off which captain you end up deciding to choose here between Hines and Nathan Cleary. They both have their positives and also their negatives heading into this season. And we know that the half position can be fairly volatile, even though it's a very high scoring position. Could be a hundred one week for Nico or Cleary. It could be a 50 or a 40 or a 60 odd the next one. And how you begin this season, you know, by deciding which one you go with, uh, there could be sort of a, a 10 point difference, obviously meaning a 20 point difference in using your captain there in the difference in between your starts. And it won't take too long, sort of maybe that six rounds or so before we attempt to get both of them in our side, given they are the clear 10 point better scorers than anyone else in the game with half being the most dominant position in our game. The top four scorers in the entirety of the game are from this half position. Uh, those couple of guys only just beating out that of, of Payne Haas there in the mid position. So the halves and the mids are the two big scoring positions. It can really make or break your season if you get the half position right. Considering we're likely going to be holding sort of you know three to four players in our half position, at least one man of cover, potentially two, and potentially three or four scorers in that in our half position, it becomes very, very important to get this right as you want to end up with sort of probably three likely four guns in the half position to be able to score really well. Obviously, your team value is going to be so important to be able to get this highest scoring position up as many as players as you can get in as possible is going to be best for your side. So let's move into our Word document here and just discuss this a little bit further here. So halves, one needs to be your captain very clearly. The other spots are going to be the question. Do you go Hines and Cleary? Do you fade Payne Haas to be able to get you know, Hines and Cleary there. Do you pick one and then go for a Fogarty, a Walker, a Burton, kind of a you know, a riskier mid-range, those Walkers at Walker and Burtons, that's for sure. Fog's a little bit less, obviously. And you keep that mid-gun as well. So there's potentially lots of different ways that you could go about this position. And I think it's going to be a fun thing to see. We do see high ownership numbers from that of Cleary at the moment compared to Nico Hines. And we'll discuss that a little bit further when we get into those two guys. So... We'll also get into the mid-range guys and also the cheapies in other videos, guys. If you're watching these, I'm going through all of the top price players at this point, and then we'll get to the other guys later on through the preseason once we know a little bit more around the mid-range and also the cheapies. So 
Nico Hines will kick things off with. So the million bucks, him and Cleary. Hines has actually dropped down a little bit. It was meant to be million and 14,000. So 1.04, 0.14 there for him. But a 74 average overall. What we need to look at here is when that they lose games, he actually scores under 60, basically. Pretty much every game that, that, he lose, that they lose, he scores under 60. Other ones there, he got about a 63 or a 64 when they had sort of tighter losses. But when they got beat, they, when they got beat well, he scored a couple of 30s against the Dolphins, against the Panthers there as well. So that's something to know with Nico. If you think that the Sharks could do really well, I don't think many of the other factors are going to matter just because he has his hands on the ball so much um, and he'll score tries. He'll set up plenty as well uh, in, in this attack. So for Hines there, he plays round 13 if he's not in origin. I think at this stage, it's probably a decent chance that he doesn't play origin. The good thing there is if he does end up playing well enough to be in origin, he's likely in the mid-70s as an average and doing great for your side. The big question mark here is with Braden Trindle being in the side. So he, for that five games that Trindle played with him, he was anywhere between 260 and 360 kick metres with Trindle. So that drops him down sort of four to six in points of base, which is a little bit frustrating, that's for sure, because that's just that general kicking in general play, those general points that you can get without having to get those attacking stats, which is always really lovely to have. He scored well with Trindle, but it was at the end of the season and it was when uh, you know the, the draw was a little bit softer. Teams you know started to fall off. You saw what Kola did. You saw what Olakowatu, you saw what DCE did in that time period as well. So that's something to note for sure. In eight out of the 14 games that he played without Trindle, he kicked over 400 kick metres. So that's where I'm getting that number from, guys. Uh, anywhere sort of between that four to six points, uh, he'd be losing because of the, the lack of kick meters there. They were kind of splitting the kick meters, and there was even a game there where Trindle outkicked Nico Hines. So for when you're paying up a lot of money for someone like Nico, that can be the frustrating thing here. The early draw is really good, with only really a close game up front, I'd say, against the Warriors in New Zealand. So the buy round in round five isn't great, but you know clearly has a buy in round six, so it doesn't really make too much of a difference there. To be honest, I suppose the thing is, with Cleary having his buy in round six, you could potentially trade in Nico in round six to be your captain, or you have another really good score anyway. Hopefully by round five or round six, either way. I personally felt like Hines was very clunky in attack last last year, and so were the Sharks at a lot of times. And he still averaged seventy four, so I really do think that uh, you know there were there's, there is a decent amount of improvement in him. Obviously, that drop in base hurts, but I think that the attacking side of things, the, the yeah, they'll reduce that, that amount of clunkiness, I think, and have a bit of a bounce, more of a bounce back season uh, after playing sort of average for for a lot of it. Really, they would beat obviously the lesser teams, but they do have a nice draw again, and I think that can happen very much so again. So I think there's room for improvement there. He should have scored over 100 regularly. Obviously, following as a as a captain of my own, I was very frustrated in certain games. Was like, oh wow, he could just score 100 plus very clearly. Um, and he'd end up with a 75 or a 68 or something like that, an 80 even sometimes, um, where it's like, wow, you could have like two, three more tries, a couple more goals, you know, tacked onto that. So, um, yeah, very strange one. A couple of times he could have just dummied and went himself. There was a gap there and decided to have the to, to pass it and then the winger got smashed or the centre got smashed when he, you know, they, they went for that dummy. Uh, well, he should have taken the dummy anyway. So a lot of things there. So I can see why Cleary has a much higher ownership just based on a couple of, these factors, mainly the the, the kick meters in, in general play. I think that's obviously a big drop. But I do think that, yeah, they, they weren't great last year, and I can see him being a great option. And when I when the game first opened, I looked at Hines, and I went, I just see, you know, with the draw, 
that they have. Actually, when we first saw the draw before the game opened, opened I was like, oh, Hines has to be the play. And I'll explain why in a second uh, as to why Cleary has a couple of potential issues as well. But overall, the safety says go Cleary, obviously with uh, the ownership percentage. But if you do want a pod, Captain Hines is a very clear, clear easy way to go about it. So let's just get into his, his stats there while we're here. Because this is really the big contentious one in this position. So, well, yeah, let's discuss this. He's a 15.5% ownership there currently with Cleary being a 53. So it's absolutely massive, the difference at this stage. And I'm still not sure which way I'm personally going to go. But yeah, you look at these um, these scores when he first came in last year after his calf injury. So he came off an injury and still absolutely dominated there with his lowest score of 69 in the first five. He then had a, you know, a low score against the Dolphins before bouncing back with a couple of uh, mid to low 80 scores. And then has an 88 and 94. So he has plenty of decent games in there, 90, 95. Just no hundreds last year. So You'd imagine that definitely comes up, comes about this this season. Uh, it's really just those low ones that you're worried about. The 34 against the Panthers, the 37 against the Dolphins. If he can take them out of his game, then clearly he's uh, he's going to be the guy. And we know that he did have a couple of absolute shockers last year. There was just there was a lot going on around that Origin time. So I just feel like he's someone that can bounce back very clearly in this in this team. And with a nice you know pretty solid draw early on, Warriors the hard one, a harder one first up. Dogs, Tigers, Canberra. Not very tough, I would say, in those three there. Uh, the buy into Rabbitohs, Cowboys, which probably gets a little bit harder for him there. Um, but some easier ones in there with Raiders, the Dragons, um, before it gets a little bit harder again. But the other option there, guys, as I said, is you pick him up maybe after his buy, uh, and you get a really nice run all the way through until round 16. There's that, or you pick him up in round 13 as well, when Cleary would be out, if that was the case too. So Nico, uh, obviously a really, really good option. Um, and it turns out he's going to be a little bit of a pod play on Nathan Cleary, who we'll get into now. So Cleary, same price, a little bit less of an average, but he did average 76 if you're taking away his hamstring injury-affected game. He has a really tough preseason. So he had the PCL injury in the grand final. It obviously didn't stop him playing like a superstar. It sounds like it's not going to be an issue going forward. He doesn't have a PCL anymore, but apparently that's not uh, an issue. If you look talking to you know NRL physio or anything like that. Obviously, you know, if you do your ankle ligaments, you, you don't have them anymore. So you know, most people are fine with without uh, ankle ligaments. Um, and then he has the, the World Club Challenge. So he has to travel over to England for that as well. And, we, and we've seen that, uh, you know, that, that that extra game, these couple of things like that can can be a little bit of a strain on on these players. And, and you can imagine for someone like Cleary, so, your know, team like the Panthers, they did start pretty poorly last year as well. They've spoken about it and they were kind of just trying to work things out themselves. So, you know, having won three premierships in a row, having been in the grand final the year before that, they haven't had a lot of time for rest. And, you know, there's there's also the chance that that uh, they start a little bit slower as well. So I can see, you know, Hines, even with the drop in kick meters, I can see him just going out and absolutely dominating from ball one, where, where the Panthers and Cleary, they don't actually need to. So it's definitely something to think about just based off that alone, that he's got a pretty tough... Uh, preseason there we see if uh, you know if there's a kangaroos tour if, if guys don't really get too much of a rest they're coming off an injury that they do seem to start a little bit slower it is Nathan Cleary that we're talking about though and, and he is the best player in the game and if anyone can can come out and just dominate from ball one then then it would be Nathan for them they have a tougher early draw but for him it usually doesn't matter to be honest there uh, he usually scores well against most clubs has the kick meter advantage on Hines as well so has that base stat which is lovely he has to buy him around 6, 16, and 19. So if you did want to buy him in round one and hold him for the entirety of the year, 
that's uh that's great. Obviously the the price tag is there, but um you know guys are gonna miss rounds anyway. So really this is all aboard question mark there and uh, yeah clear round round one captaincy options. So let's go in and look at his stats as well. So that, that first five games there is Melbourne, Para, Broncos, Roosters, and Manly, and they sure be pretty decent games, like pretty tough games for him. And then it actually it's a little a little bit easier with Tigers, Cowboys. Not sure how they're going to go after their bye, um, but the Dogs are in there as well. So. For the most part, you look at that and you go, Hines has an easier draw for sure. Cleary, it uh, rarely matters too much. Obviously, against the Bunnies in round two, he struggled at 37, but he had games against the Eagles, 100, Eels, 78 there, 106 against the Broncos, so uh, 92 against the Warriors. So for him, it doesn't matter too much based on their on their schedule, that's for sure. And you do see the kick meters are, are very, very high for the most part. He did have some lower ones there, and, and sometimes I think for him that will happen just when they are absolutely on the front foot and uh, you're down the other end for the most part, that he doesn't have to have massive kick meters. But when it's a fairly closer type of game, a bit more free-flowing, and uh, they're not making line break after line break, then he does seem to kick massive meters there. So, yeah, clearly a great option. If you're starting with him, I don't see much harm in it, apart from you know potentially you know, a little bit of recovery on his knee and then also the World Club Challenge and the travel that's associated with that before round one. But you do have all the guys going to Vegas and they're playing over there in round one. So uh, there's, there's a bunch of teams that are doing the travel and we're not going to you know, leave all of them out just because there's a bit of travel, that's for sure. Daily Cherry Evans. We start to get through this a little bit quicker now, guys. Thank you for sticking through that top two. Let me know in the comments right now which one of those two you will be starting with and captaining or are you trying to go for both or neither. Cherry Evans, 877, average is 64. So we have really fond memories of how he ended the year last year. Obviously, the third best half, and you know, Brooks comes over. And he's going to take some shine off DC's kicking and you know, attacking plays in general, I think. So I really think Daly will be relevant at some point, but there is a chance that he drops off a little bit just with Brooks coming over and them spending a little bit more time on the left-hand side with Brooks uh, on that side. And obviously, you know, Garrick's likely to be over there. Uh, you got Schuster and these type, types of players as well. So Daly, it was a yeah, as I said, it was a really fun finish to the year. A lot of us grabbed him somewhere around this sort of uh, what round twenty, round twenty one time. Uh, a couple of low ones in there, which was annoying, but then he exploded with eighty eight, sixty eight, hundred six, and ninety eight to finish. So again, don't expect that type of, of finish to to happen near the near the beginning. He um, has a little bit of an up and down kind of you know play here. He got three tries in the first game and a try assist and a field goal. Again, don't expect that from the first game, especially against the Rabbitohs. You've got Roosters, Para, St. George, and Penrith in that first five games. So I think we can wait on Daily Cherry Evans probably until after Origin again. It's going to be one of those things, but a frustrating one for him. He has a bye sort of in uh, in round 22. So that very likely, I think, that Daily Cherry Evans doesn't even feature at all in any of our sides which uh, for the entirety of the year. Johnson, 872, he was the uh, he was the man from last year. What an incredible season it was. Average 63.4. So I can't see him scoring the same this season. So I personally would wait for a little price drop. Uh, but still one of the only sort of completely dominant goal-kicking halves in, in the game at the moment. And there were periods of time where Johnson didn't actually kick goals either. You can see here when, when Adam Pompey was, was kicking a few there. Um, obviously in round 25, round 26, round 9 in there as well. Uh, they didn't get smashed, did they? No, they did get smashed. Got that 14 nil. Um, and then in the... Yeah, it's more that last couple of games, actually. So it doesn't make, make too much of a difference, but my memories are now 
of uh, Pompey kicking in the final series. So that's that. But uh, yeah, Johnson, absolutely dominant. Kick meters were so high. Actually scored a lot of tries in the end. You know, two there early and had a double um, and then a couple a couple in a row there before a double again. So it was eight tries there uh, in the end there for him. So a really good season. Back to where he was, kicking good goals, plenty of try assists on that. Um, you know, defending pretty well for the most part and running the footy. So... Yeah, I don't see much uh, growth from him, but if you are going to start with him, you get a clean run all the way through until round 13. The 13 buy is probably a little bit of an annoying one, but he should be able to score pretty well regardless, and uh, we'll have him at some point, I imagine, throughout the season. Old SJ, just a cracking season. Good on him. 792 for Moses. So he dropped down almost six average points here. For Moses, I think it was the best year of his career. Very clearly, even with his team being poor, he was able to score great in fantasy. He was out of be able to play he was able to play great footy as well uh outside of that as well so for Moses if they fire he could be a clear 60s man he averaged 60 outside of his injury game there and he's the fourth best option um I think personally in um yeah in the game at the moment for points wise so yeah I see a little bit of a drop from potentially DC and Johnson one of them I think will probably outdo Moses to start the season Uh, but I think Moses has potentially a tiny bit of value to kick things off. So you're looking at him, they, yeah, they missed the eight this year and, and he was able to score delightfully well. So a 53, a 47 and a 39 in three of his first five games, but a 77 and a 72 kept his, he kept his average up. Um, but it was mainly through that middle part of the season in and around origin. That's why I ended up getting selected for origin at hundred and round nine. You had uh, you know seventies and eighties for four games in a row, which was great. Um, yeah. Before he got into there and got that 14, to, to round out his year. So, yeah, a little bit, one of those guys, a little bit inconsistent, but you know what you can get from him. Um, for the most part, he always ends up around this average. It's just, you know, the, the runs that he goes on. He, he kind of hung around his price for a good while. Uh, the 740s up to about the 800 mark and went all the way to 879. So he'll have his runs. He'll have his downtimes as well. I personally wouldn't be starting with him, but I could see why some people would. What we find strange here is how how well Dylan Brown ended up. He actually ended up at a 55 average, you know, coming into, you know, for rounding out that year, I should say. He was in my team and he obviously frustrated. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. ...us with, uh, with, what he, with what ended up happening out in the dance floor there and um, we yeah, kind of was an annoying part of my season, maybe make that extra trade or two, which was frustrating. So I'm personally going to avoid him. He got really cheap at the beginning of the year after he had a lot of 40s. So yeah, there's a good chance that happens again. Um, but he was scoring superbly there. 
I just don't see much of an increase from him, but he will be a good option at some point given he doesn't play Origin. Um, and yeah, he picked it up at the, in that mid part of the season last year. His, uh, his, yeah, it was a 33 into a 60 and then just 40s all the time until round nine. I think I picked him up in round eight or round seven there where he had a couple of 40s before he exploded a bit with, uh, you know, 370s in four weeks, a 65 there, um, and then came back and did well as well. So he's one of those guys, tackles well, really solid, runs the footy, uh, a little bit uh, unorthodox for all of the halves, but uh, yeah, a great option at some point, as I said. Let's go to Cam Munster. 754, 55 average. He's a guy that's been up, you know, in the 60s for sure, but the team isn't as good. And I think that, um, you know, him having a slight down season, him being a little bit inconsistent, um, you know, he plays Origin. I just think there's better choices with Munster. I understand if you do want to, to play around with him, then, uh, you know, a 60 average could be on the cards for sure. At at worst, I think it's a 55, but yeah, inconsistent there. At 100 in, in, uh, in round six there, in amongst some 20s, 30s, 50s. And uh, yeah, the odds the odds fifty odd and sixty seventy. So all over the shop for Munster. I think that he's an avoid at this point of the season. Similar to that of Jerome Hughes at seven fifteen. So he had a really good turnaround at the back end of the season. Saved his average quite uh, you know, undoubtedly there, but doesn't give us a discount to to begin the year, which would have been nice if he was around that six thirty mark or something. Then he could be of interest. Um, but similar to Munster, had a bit of a down year overall. And you can see here, 78 in round two, but other than that, it's 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and then obviously turned around the back end with a big 100, 60, 75, and a 60 to finish things off. So avoiding Jerome Hughes, just not a top-tier guy and uh, doesn't have any value to kick off the season. Adam Reynolds is the next guy on the list, 705k, average 51. Average is 51, 49, and 51 over the last three years. Shows this is who he is, so I think we just leave it at that. And you avoid, he's yeah, not not one to get that massive sort of 80-plus anymore. He'll have his 60-odd 70s, but uh, he'll have his down games as well. He's got 10 in 17 minutes, um, so you factor that in. He's probably a 53 guy. Um, but other than that, yeah, he's a bit of a, a bit of an avoid at this point. Benny Hunt, the, the strange season that was Mr. Benny Hunt's season. So he just seems to be around this this uh, this price and, and average as well each and every year. Has his up the games, has his down games, but he misses too many tackles and uh, just isn't a good enough team to be relevant at this price, unfortunately. And there's still a saga going on with him. And why is he still there? I don't know. It's all happening. But uh, yeah, you can see the, the inconsistency. 70, 30, 70, 30, 80, 50, 42. Yeah. All over the shop. Wouldn't be picking him, that's for sure. Sammy Walker. All right, we move into a couple of guys that have a tiny bit more interest, I think, for our side. So Sam Walker there, really... Absolutely a character-building year for him, for sure. He still averaged 50 in that, which is pretty impressive. It was limited games compared to you know, the year before, but came back with a bang. Had some tools to be a 55 to 60-point scorer, in my opinion, But uh, yeah, yeah. and who doesn't play Origin. But to me, there's probably too many risks to take the punt. Like, you could go for it. He could end up averaging 45 and, uh, to, to begin the season, which would be frustrating. We see here, you know, 48, 69, 41, and 65. Those first four games for him were great. You know, he's at well well above his average in the in the high to mid-50s there. Kicking goals as well is obviously, you know, important to that. He did have 35 and 30 in round six and seven before he was dropped and then got injured and came back with 54, 56. And then both finals games, he, you know, kicked field goals as well. So he's definitely a big game player. I think they'll lock and load with him this year. Probably going to be up and down like that, 40-odd into a 60-odd and stuff. But if uh, you know, if the Roosters can start pretty well, and that would be great. But they do have Broncos, Manly, Rabbitohs, and Penrith. So I think just that in, in itself 
pushes us away from any Roosters players. You watch this year that they'll come out, the Roosters, and, and play really good. You know, this year they have the hard draw. Last year they had the easy one. They'll probably win more games at the beginning of this season than they did last. So he definitely has the uh, the tools, as I said. It could be a mid-50s guy pretty comfortably, like without scoring three tries in his, what, nine games there as well. So eight games, I should say. So yeah, a bit of a tough one. Matty Burton, 6.42, average of 46.7. So yeah, three points under that of Walker. What in the world do we do with this man? He's so consistent and he's in a poor team. It's maybe slightly going to be better. You know, Sexton would take a few kick meters from him. He hasn't kicked on like really we would hope. Uh, but obviously that a lot of that has to do with him being in a in a poorer side. He doesn't sort of grab the you know grab the game by the balls and and uh, and dominate it as well. Like he doesn't just go oh, give me the ball. Like a lot of time it's kind of spread around. So if he was that guy, I think he'd be in a 40, 54, 55 kind of average guy. He's just not that guy, and then some. Sometimes in games, he gets gets involved and and does a bunch of things in a row, and you're like, well, why can't he just do this every week or, or a bit more consistently? But really, on the positive note for him, the team is better. He only scored four tries last year. I think there's room for growth there. It feels like a bit of a sort of react to it. If they show something, it seems like it's a react if they show us something decision with Burton and potentially trade him in there. So I think he's risky to start with for sure. But at 46.7, there's definitely some upside. We've seen him do great things in the past. And uh, you know, could he do it again? That's probably the big question mark for him. In uh, in 2022, he was able to average 50. So you know that included a pretty slow start as well with 20s, 30s, 40s, um, and then kind of kicked into gear. So he could definitely do it. He definitely has that bit of that little bit of upside for sure. But if you're looking at that scoring again, there's just no no massive gains as well. And maybe in a better team that that, that will begin uh, happening. But um, yeah, it's just something to, to something to, to monitor, that's for sure. And I think a few people will start with him. He's owned by 1.58%. Probably ends up around the two to three mark, I'd say. So if you want a little bit of a pod that probably doesn't have really any downside on the long term, you, know, you could have really low sort of 35 average four weeks. And then could have 65 average four weeks there as well. All right, the one everyone's talking about, Mr. Jamal Fogarty. I've got a lot to say about this man. A 637K average of 46.3. Years ago when he was at the Titans, I absolutely loved him. And he, he kind of was great at certain stretches and then he'd get injured or something like that. And it was a bit painful. But uh, when he was on the park, he was a 50-plus guy. So coming into this season, could definitely well be the same. So he has all the makings in 2024 being a 55-point scorer, which would have him sort of eight to nine points of value and be a, you know, a kind of a top eight type of guy there, top seven, I should say, top seven, top six type of scorer, which could be cool. Um, when he full-time goal kicking and an extra sort of 20 to 30% in kicking in general play will get him to that 55. So the draw is also great, given he will play round 13 and 16. So he misses round 10 and 14, which is not the worst in the world, obviously. That's two in you know close succession, but they're not uh, you know, major buy rounds. 2022, he averaged 50 for the Raiders, but that did include 3.7 goals per game and 261 kick meters. So he did average lower kick meters in 2022 than he did last year at 387, but he averaged one goal per game, given he kicked at the start of the season before Croker came in. So you know that 387 is very high already. What's reasonable, maybe an extra 100 or 90 kick meters, which is about three points there. And obviously the goal kicking as well. So if you average up to that 3.7, which in a Raiders team, I think is fairly 
unlikely at this point. You did have Croker averaging a similar amount last year, but they were a better team, in my opinion. So if you average the 2.7 goals out, there's an extra 5.4 you know, points there, and we'll say 3 with just the kicking in general play. If he was able to get to 487, which is pretty high, but we'll give it to him, that would stretch him out to about a 54 average there. So extra 8 points available for him just in the base stats of the game which is obviously really important, the base stats, and that's why he becomes a very, very good option in Jamal Fogarty there. The worries, the, the devil's advocate, I'm going to play here as well because uh, we saw Mark's article, if you, if you haven't seen that with the amateurs, it was just like, let's go. There was no, there was basically no downside to Fogarty. And, and, and I agree with that, the no downside of it, but do you want to pick up a guy that could potentially just be a 46 to 50 guy, given he, he averaged 50 for the Raiders in the, in the previous season? And they were a better side in 2022 than I think they will be in 2024. Unless these young guns fire, that's probably the big thing here. But uh, we do also need to consider his folks is fairly inconsistent at that, which we'll see in a sec, which is shown by start to 2023. Let's get in and look at that right now, actually. So last year, 34, 34, 55, 20, 68, and 41. That's his first lot of scores. If you keep going out there, 67, 40, 54, 46, 39 before he gets an 81 and kind of you know gets up into some good scores and then finish with 29, 50, 28, 43, 44, and 50. You've got his first five, uh, first six, seven games there we'll go with. He hit over 400 on four occasions out of that first seven games, kick meters that is. So 184 in the first against the Cows, 239 in the second, and 226 in the third. And in those games, he got 34, 34, and 20. So obviously down games for the Raiders, they're getting pumped 53 to 12. So you're not going to kick much there. 19-18, a close one to, to the Cowboys. That was a strange one, actually. I remember it was a big start from the Raiders and then the Cow big start from the Cows, and then the Raiders came back. Um, and then that Dolphins one, they lost as well. So yeah, Dolphins had a good amount of possession in that one too. So there will be games where he does have the low kick meters just because of how it goes. And the low kick meters for him might be a 320 rather than a two, you know, 220 for sure, somewhere around that mark. But uh, yeah, the inconsistency is high. And, that, and those first four games included goal kicking for him. And he scored 20, 34, and 34. Um, so that's the scary thing with Fogs. And I, I do see a lot of people starting with him. And if he happened to score pretty poor in the first three weeks, I can see people selling him pretty quickly, which would be frustrating at that. There's a high chance that Newcastle come out and just spank them in the first game. Yeah, that could definitely happen. It might not, but it definitely could. So... That is something to worry about with Fogs there on that one. But he does have a lot of seasons where he's able to average well, 55 in 2021 uh, with the Titans. That was when I was holding him and he was delightful, 49 the year before. So he has plenty of seasons where he can really do it. 316 kick meters he averaged in that uh, 2021 season. And then 2022, as, as we said there, in games where he, um, he played that full full amount um, and without wipe, nothing I worked out that it was, uh, yeah, that were very high uh, on that front there. And then last year, the, the kick meters were at uh, were 387, I should say, last last year. Did I get that wrong? Anyway. Um, yeah, so with Fogs there, it's a very, very interesting one in that one. Sorry. He averaged 387. He averaged less in 2022, which is what I said correctly in the beginning. So, yeah, that's, that's the main worry. The new stats could help this for sure uh, for him to, to just you know be a good averaging guy. But we need to consider the Raiders being the same, if not worse, as an outfit. With Horsburgh, with Chris out to begin the year, probably aging, there's a rookie six next to him. They're the worrying signs. Fogarty, really, he could just be a super easy gun moneymaker, or he could average 46 to 49. 
They're the two options. So there's really no downside across the season. I just wanted to point out all the factors that, again, I think if, if he was to start slower, I do see people trading him out and him being a bit of a waste. So I'm happy to play both sides there. There's a decent chance I start with him. We'll have to see what you know, plays out over the preseason and what half options we end up with, what players we need in other positions or, or guys I think may have a little bit more value in the mid-range or something like that. But he's a very easy swing of the bat. Nice uh, you know, medium-paced ball that's going for six, basically, is, is for the most part uh, what we're thinking with Fogs. There's no real downside, but um, except for that sort of first month or so, if he starts slow, for sure. And half is a very busy position, and you want to make sure you spend your money wisely in that spot. So that is the great man, Jamal Foggs. We do love him, but I just wanted to play both sides on that one. Let's go to Tanner Boyd in the next one. He's a frustrating guy for me last year, given he uh, stunk it up the first couple of games there, 38-25, got hooked in that game, played 67 minutes in the third game as well, and uh, yeah, even kicking seven goals in that one. But uh, yeah, missed lots of tackles to begin the year. Ended up getting dropped. Uh, we thought he was going to get dropped, sorry. There was, yeah, he was getting hooked in games. I traded him out, and then he went on a bit of a run, averaging you know well into the the fifties for a lot of a bunch of games there, before slowing down a little bit more from round eleven. But a really solid player at that. I just don't see any upside on a forty six for him um, in that Titans team by round two. That's probably it. That's all we need to say on on Tanner. He did his job last year, but the dual position obviously helpful too. Cody Walker, three left guys didn't score over fifty in the last eight games. I think he's attached to Bunny's winning. And he'll have stretches of 50-plus for sure. But I think he's going to be super risky at that for Mr. Cody Walker. 6.33K there. Um, yeah, to break even to 46. So I had a, a, had a solid season. Obviously, just through that sort of start to middle part. From round four, he had 51, 79, 65, 61, 44, and 59. So that worked out well. And then he really fell off as the, the bunnies fell off as well. Um, played that game at Origin and absolutely crushed it. And then was pretty bad thereafter. So... Really, there's some upside on on how poorly he finished. You know, averaging in the in the high, mid to high 30s there. So, you know, clearly he's a 50 guy at times. But how long is that going to last for Cody? That's probably the question mark there. Then you got Adam Dewey. We love him. Let's chat about him more when you know we know more about his poor body. Poor fella. 45 and a half average last year. Price, yeah. If he was heaps cheaper, we'd go. Oh, please. When are we going to find out when he's back? But he's a bit too expensive for that anyway. And then Jack Hogger fighting for a spot um, where he won't be the dominant playmaker unless, you know, Hastings got injured or something like that. But, yeah, congrats on the awesome grand final that he played, that's for sure. But when he was the dominant guy at number seven, great kick meters at that, you can see there in those games. And, uh, yeah, a couple of 70s in there. He could be a 40s to 50s guy pretty comfortably with some upside in, in certain games. But until that happens, I think you just need to avoid Cogger. It looks like he you know, is not, might not even get the spot. So let's finish it off with the best options for points and for value, guys. So Cleary, I think we're going to just tag him right at the top. How that begin, how that happens at the beginning of the year, we're not exactly sure, but Cleary and Hines, very close, one and two. Fogarty, points, and also sort of eight to ten points of value potential that he has there. Puts him in number three very clearly, and you can partner him with one of those two guys very simply. Mitch Moses, he could definitely go into the 60s, as I said. Uh, so you're looking at a 60-point guy, potentially a little bit of you know, three or four or five points of value, potentially. Uh, and then you got Matt Burton and Sam Walker. I've got them two guys. I think Burton just ahead at this point, although I, I do seem to think I do seem to like Walker as a better option just because you know he's going to have the ball in his hands. Burton kind of floats in and out of games, but he could easily be a 50s guy um, and have sort of that five points of value. But you know, both of these guys could just be a wasted pick if they happen to 
start at a 40 average or 45 average for sure. When you see here, Fogs could start at a 40 average, but more likely being the dominant playmaker that he gets those points of value. So that's where we're going to leave the half position, guys. I hope that was really helpful for you in uh, deciding which way you want to go. Obviously, I wasn't as clear-cut as um, yeah, it could have been with some with some of the guys, uh, but I do want to, at this stage of the season, I do want to play both sides. Otherwise, you have this like clear vision that you know, this guy is only going to score this, and yeah, you have to look at past data as well, how guys started in different years, and um, you know, if the team starts poorly and stuff like that, there's, yeah, there's chances that they can start bad. Well, they can start really well. There's there's both sides to it. And over a season, they eventually get to that certain average, usually, that they've um, been projected at or, or that they usually get. So that's that with the halves, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. We'll catch you in the next one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 